from the cab by Ben Creek and Craig White. In this podcast, we're going to give you a quick wrap-up of the season at hand and things to look out for, including events coming up around you and everything related to agronomy and managing your farm. We're passionate about agronomy and everything farming-related, agriculture-related, and we look forward to having you join us on Agronomy from the Cab. Welcome to Agronomy from the Cab. I'm here with Ben Creek in the cab today. And how are you today, Ben? I'm well, mate. Well, and yourself? Yeah, going well, sir. It's uh, racing along this season already and been a lot of field days and field walks on and lots to see and do, Ben. Absolutely. It's been huge. Yeah, we're just trying to fit things in. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, last time we spoke, uh, we were talking about getting bogged and all those sorts of things and the rain just kept coming and mm. what have you and the wind or whatever and uh, you know a month can be a long time and it's starting to dry out a little bit at the moment. It is yeah no it's been good actually guys can uh, get on paddocks a little bit now and or f- finishing up with bits and pieces but uh, it's amazing how in the south here there is still as you were telling me there's still a few wet areas on a few trial areas and uh, a few low areas so it's still uh, not quite there but it's uh, it's yeah getting there. It sure is, yeah. We can get into these uh, trial sites a little bit easier and uh, actually start to make some good spring assessments on them. So things are looking amazing. I was doing some soil sampling yesterday on a disease trial and, yeah, it's amazing how much those really good crops are, are, are pulling off you know, out of the ground at the moment. There's a, a lot of draw on the moisture and, yep. yeah, certainly another rain or some drizzle would be pretty helpful. Yeah, definitely, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the big topic, I suppose, which is a... Not not such a happy one, but the frosts over the weekend, certainly, mm. uh, you know, we never like to see those, these spring radiation frosts, and unfortunately there's reports coming in of frost around the place. What have you been hearing, Ben? Yeah, a bit, of the, bit the same. Um, the, yeah, the, the horrible F word, but uh, I think um, it's it's about trying to be uh, have a positive message and, and see what we can do with these frosted crops. Yeah. Um, going to mark some areas, as we've discussed with you, and just go back in a few days and, and check them again. Um, look, Whitey, we were talking, there's some practical ways we can have a look and assess these things. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, my experience back in the um, sort of mid to late 1990s, I was up at Meriden and experienced those sort of 98 and 99 big frost events up there. And um, I was working in that particular area um, sort of with identification and how to go about assessing. So some of that information is still around, I noticed, on the web if you yep. look for the GRDC frost identification guides and the Department of Prime Industries and Regional Development have just updated a lot of that info this season, I noticed. So just you know, do a frost um, identification search. There's some good resources around. Yeah. But look, one of the most important things I would say is, you know, you can go into a paddock, have a look at a few plants, um, go, oh, yep, I think this is frosted or it may not be. Um, the guides can give you some good tips on it, but whatever you do, please tag some plants, put mm. some flagging tape around or put a peg or something right there so you go back to some similar areas because if you just go in every couple of days or every day assessing a property, looking at different parts of the paddock or whatever, you just can't really get a good handle on it. So tag some plants, um, have a roll of flagging tape in the ute and make sure you put that out there because then you'll be able to make some real um, assessments of what's going on. Use the frost identification guides, the pictorial guides out there to give you a range of... um, you know, whether it really is frosted, because be very careful if you're just sort of in that flowering time. Yep. Sometimes crops haven't even flowered, and I've experienced people making decisions based on uh, the crop hasn't even flowered. Mm. 
and um, unfortunately start cutting it down for hay and, and reacting to that when really the best thing to do is to let it go for a little while yeah. and um, make sure that you you uh, you can do something with it. So just make sure you get the right information. Take your time because knowing how much impact you've had is really critical when you're trying to make decisions like whether to leave it for harvest or react now and actually cut it. Because you've got to deal with that material. That's probably yeah. the number one thing, Ben, that I would say yeah. that no matter what you've got there, a harvester is very efficient, obviously, at getting the grain off and yeah. also um, you know handling the stubble. Yeah. Um, if you've got a market for hay and it's probably quite a strong one at the moment and you're able to do it, then that could be the right decision. But mm. make sure um, you have a good look at it. Even your straw as well out the back of the header. If your header's set up to bale straw is another option of uh, just recouping something. That's right. And there's going to be a, no doubt a big demand on feed this year, so it's always something to have a think about. Yeah, for sure. So you've got to handle the material. That's the first thing I would say. And then mm. uh, make sure you're assessing so that if you said, look, I'm going to leave this to harvest because, yes, there's frost impact in here and it's frosted 50% of it. Mm. You know, if you've got reasonable grain yield outlook, you've got water in the ground or moisture, um, prospects of some more rain, then, uh, you know, you'll be surprised how much grain you will get in, heartbreaking as it can be when you're mm. driving around thinking what could have been. But just remember, you are handling the material bring in valuable grain and handling the the, um, the stubble at the same, or handling the crop material. Yeah, um, we, we have got price on our side this year. I mean, it's uh, like you said, it's uh, it's going to be frustrating of, of seeing what it could have been, but we have got good pricing at the moment on hay and grain. So that is an upside, although um, only one upside, but uh, it's just something to consider. Like Craig yeah. was saying, it's, you just really need to go in and assess and think clearly and if you need another opinion you know contact your uh, local agronomist or um, feel free to contact Craig or myself or someone likely to have and uh, bounce it off with them before any rash decisions are made. Yeah it's hard to um, sometimes do that but you've got to first think right <clears throat> what have I got um, tags and plants get the identification guides make sure that it has been frosted. It might sound obvious, but sometimes it isn't as obvious mm. as it first can appear. Um, have a look around contour banks, you know, above dams and things like that. Tree lines can act as a bit of a barrier where the cold air hasn't drained away yeah. and um, just make some systematic movements and then go, right, this is what I've got. Yeah. This is what my yield estimate might be on the current price that I think I might get. Then take the loss away and work out whether it is worth harvesting. A lot of times it will be. Um, because grain is going to be very valuable and you've got to handle the material, as I keep saying. Definitely. Yep, and getting that second opinion is really important um, yeah. advice. And Ben or I can be contacted at agronomyfromthecab at gmail.com. So I'd like to also add, whilst I'm not sitting in the seat and uh, seeing you know, your crops right in front of you, it does pay to just have that second opinion and, and also not to rely too much on the social media at times. We can get carried away. We see everyone else has got frost or your neighbour's got frost, but uh, just to think uh, about what we're doing and uh, what, what, what do you think, Craig? Yeah, look, <clears throat> those events back in the 90s that I referred to and I went out to oh, between Meriden and Muck and Boudin actually and guys were cutting down paddocks and we had a look at them and they hadn't even flowered, Ben, you know. It was yeah. purely based on the fact that general generalisation that frost was around and everyone was talking going... I think I've lost 100% because there's no grain in there and there should be, but 
you know, that's where these identification guides will give you tips on when a wheat crop is flowering, when a barley crop is flowering, because they flower differently. Yeah. And uh, you want to make sure that it has actually impacted them because you might be quite surprised further upslope, top of hills, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there's scenarios when there's big, big impacts and it is the right decision to do something now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as you said, don't rely on that social media too much. It's good to share a few ideas and keep communicating, but do it. Do it in a systematic way because you need to get and know what my yield might be, might have been, how much loss I've got, and you'll only know that by tagging some plants and making some really um, systematic sort of assessments. If you just go in every time and look at a different part of the paddock or different plants, you're actually going to have a hell of a jumble and not really know whether it's, you know, big wipeout or a very small amount. So, as you said, um, yeah, just talk to people and use the data and information that's around and you'll come out the best you possibly can from the situation. Mm. So moving aside from Frost, Whitey, what uh, what else is on the cards at the moment? What have you been seeing on your travels? Yeah, well, looking around the crops at the moment and trials, certainly uh, assessing what's been going on with our fungicide trials and also grass weed trials. But I was up in the northern wheat belt a couple of weeks ago, pretty much from northern right through to Geraldton and you know, up there, things um, certainly advancing along, amazing crops and whatever, but there was uh, a lot of grass and radish sort of sticking out at the top of crops, and I think it's a good uh, reminder just to sort of assess what strategy you did use on that because often, you know, we can look at those, um, some some options, some fung- herbicide options that are giving you um, good weed control in the early stage, but they're just letting go. And it's worth taking note of that when you're making decisions for next year. Because, yeah. you know, certainly some of the um, pre-emergent herbicides and even the post-emergent ones um, that might cost a little more, um, you know, at the time will keep holding the weeds and yeah. doing a better job. And it's just so evident when you get around at this time of year and make that assessment. So you can start putting it into your plan, what you're going to do next year. Cheap is not uh, always cheerful. No, what do they say? The dearest one is the uh, one that doesn't work. Yeah, right? unfortunately, that is that is the case. So, just a little reminder there. And then, in terms of um, fungicides, yeah, certainly um, getting amazing assessments now. People are seeing the impacts of of using fungicides and yeah. and using diligent. What about yourself, Ben? Yeah, very much as I say, fungicides and fungicides early. Being proactive, um, that's been a a massive uh, turnaround this year with uh, some crops that I've seen that. You know, we've been proactive and we've put an early, say, Cogito out and we've followed later, around about now, a bit earlier, on flag at, uh, with some Prasaro. That has been just very some very clean crops. Um, but in saying that, the moisture has been with us this whole way. This uh, this warm weather that we've uh, coming by now, it's just going to be ripe for fungicide to, to let loose on some of our crops. Um, and I think it's uh, we have to assess where we're sitting for the future. And you had a few notes on that, uh, Whitey. Yeah, main thing there is really, uh, of course, everybody knows with fungicides are there to protect the yield. They sort of don't grow your yield, whatever mm. you've got there. You're, I think I think of it like climbing to the top of a ladder. You know, that's what it's all about. We want to get as high up that ladder as possible in terms of crop potential or crop yield, mm. and then fungicides will help you you know, keep it at that rung on the, on the ladder, wherever you, you got to. And, of course, the only way that's going to occur too is that if you've got some season left behind the fungicide, so if you applied it today, let's say, um, what's your prospects for another rain? Is there still moisture in the ground? Are the leaves, you know, um, the, the yield-producing leaves that are drawing the nutrients and water out of the ground 
um, still nice and healthy, worth protecting. Yeah. You know, if it was going to cut off next week, well, simple. Why? Yeah. There's always that grey area of, you know, two, three weeks' time, and not sure what's going to be the case, yeah. or three or four weeks, um, is a different ball game altogether. Yeah, very much so. And moving on from fungicides as well, I think it's that time where we're going to start uh, preparing ourselves for spray topping now, spray topping pastures and trying to either conserve some uh, feed um, or set up our paddocks for next year, uh, cropping rotations. Is time right still going, Ben? That program is a good program to look yeah. after insects. Is that still running? Yeah, time right. As far as I'm aware, time right's still there. I think that's part of AWI. And you can find that on uh, www.wool.com. Um, and just search for time right on that and you can add your uh, area, your longitude and latitude and it'll come up with a spray date so you can uh, try and knock those uh, red-legged earth mites out at the right hatching or just before the right hatching uh, dates. So that basically control the adults that will lay eggs so they don't put eggs into the over-summer period and if you get it done by that date then it has a big impact on pastures and... Yeah, and crops. I think this year was something interesting. Was I th- thought in some of the paddocks I'd seen around the place that it had uh, time right, time sorry, time right uh, applied um, or sprays, you know, aimed at uh, red legged earth mites or mites in general. That the there was less insect burdens um, on early canola. So that was oh, that's uh, so useful. Yeah, yeah, so it's not only just something to look at for pastures year in year in year out, but um, along with your spray topping with your grass um, selectives, um, like, you know, uh, gramoxones, the uh, time rate program's been working really well as well. Fantastic, yeah. So get them, get those adults out of the way so they don't produce as many uh, eggs for next mm. season um, yeah. in both your pastures and your crops. Now, good advice, time right. And, uh, yeah, part of the wool, wool program. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And also with um, looking at uh, your spray topping for pastures, um, with ryegrass, generally the uh, something just to keep in mind um, going forward. So if you're setting your paddock, if you've got a really grassy paddock this year, because uh, down here we have had some pretty substantial rains and there's, there's going to be a lot of grass around. And if that's going into crop next year, uh, we want to be setting up those, uh, trying to reduce those seed numbers uh, for next year's crop. So something just to be uh, in the back of your mind, as far as grass maturity, is silver grass, barley grass, brome grass, then rye grass. Um, so, you know, have a think about uh, what chemical you're going to be choosing and have a talk with uh, your uh, local agro or feel free to contact Craig or myself. At agronomyfromthecab at gmail.com. That's the one. Or you can get us on Twitter and we'll give that out a bit later. Yep. Cool. Now, Ben, what about fire break preparation? Are all yours done? I think I've done most of them. Ooh. I think I was waiting for some of them to uh, to die off to see which areas I've missed, I think. But uh, there's a little bit to touch up yourself. Yep, same. Got around the uh, little property and make sure the fire breaks. Then I think it is something that frustrates me a bit around where there's hobby blocks and that. People mm. just wait until, oh, now it's warm and, oh, I've got to do a fire break. But yep. you've got to think about it a lot earlier than, than yeah. October, right? Because um, you've got to allow this grass to die down and not become a fire hazard in its own right. So, yep, fire breaks, get onto them. And uh, keep an eye out for the snakes while you're doing it as well. Very much so. Yeah, they're coming around. Yeah, we've um, been sharing a few uh, around my work anyway of pictures of uh, snakes out and about. They're active at the moment. And, Ben, did you know um, know, what's a a snake's favourite subject at school? Snake's favourite subject. Snake's favourite subject at school. Could tell you. 
Well, Snake's favourite subject at school was history. <laughs> yeah, yep. Bad joke, sorry. <laughs> All right, um, what about yourself, Ben? You got a little bit of a fact or a joke or something there? It's funny, I, I was scrolling through a few things and this uh, happened to pop up on, uh, on my screen, so I'll read a little joke for you. It's called, it's titled, Old Farmer. An old farmer was walking down the path to the pond when he spotted a bullfrog. He reached down and grabbed the frog and started to put him in his pocket when the bullfrog said, Kiss me on the lips and I will turn into a beautiful farmer's wife. Again, the old farmer started to put the frog in his pocket. The frog asked, Didn't you hear what I said? The farmer looked at the frog and said, Mate, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> I might get in trouble for that one. Oh, <laughs> no, Ben, far out. Goodness me. Good one. No, very good. Now, um, Ben, another topic thing we always do on agronomy from the cab or we we try to is talk about an app or a little program or something of relevance that might be of interest to, to listeners out there yeah look i uh, we were just having a chat um, um about these apps and at Rollington park field day one of the presenters uh, mentioned the pest facts uh, app again and i know it's not a a new app but it's a great app just to send in any concerns and um that is pest facts um, and any concerns you can fill in what, what you've seen, some pictures and that gets sent away to the department You can either choose to have a follow up uh, from them or from another agronomist or someone involved in that area just to help out um, what you may have seen but also that gives your areas as well, it gives other people that might see that, um, right this insect or this bit of fungicide, uh, sorry this disease is um, around still and it just helps other people locally so that's just something that um, is just a little reminder that that is a good little app so that's pest facts um, on the app store if you do want to take part in that one and that's facts with an x yep <clears throat> at the end does that that does it also give um, links into the the pest facts that comes out or is it only a one-way reporting thing i think you I'd have to double check, but I think you can uh, contact the Ag Department and they will put you on the list and then yeah. you'll get an email really handy. Um, sent out um, when, when new things arise. So, yeah. Yep. yep. Good. Like, uh, as in the frost discussion, yep. there's been information on pest facts yep. um, about that. So, it can be really good to get a view from other areas yeah. um, of the state or um, indeed know who to get in touch with, even where to find those frost identification guides, for example. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. it's good. And um, what I, the one I had was a little app called StoryCorps, or StoryCorps, C-O-R-P-S, StoryCorps. And what it's about is um, it's a little app where you can actually record or um, preserve some of your, your history, like it's a rec little recording app. Yeah. And what you do is it actually comes with some preformed questions um, that you can do a little interview. So you might have a aging grandfather or grandmother or someone on your farm that's really interesting and you can actually sit down with them one day and actually have some nice little questions that then get uh, turned into a beautiful little interview of you talking to them to preserve their, you know, preserve their history and their wisdom or whatever because uh, we know not everyone's around forever and uh, they've got some valuable stories to tell and the beauty of that also is it gets can be uploaded if you choose to or you can just keep it for yourself yeah. um, but can be uploaded onto a um, international um, archive to preserve that uh, history of humanity so wow, something worth right. thinking about granddad or, or nana out there or whatever mm. might have some great stories to tell or even just a, a good friend down at the local aged care center you know when i was little i used to go down and talk to some of those oldies and it was a lot of fun they've got a lot to share and 
um, you know, as people uh, leave this earth, they certainly uh, take those stories with them, you know, the wisdom. So Story Corps um, is a little app that uh, is worth doing and it will really help guide you through a structured little interview worth That's doing. That's awesome. We have got so much to learn from the older generations and it's... Uh that's a great idea. I love sitting, we could spend hours sometimes sitting down to the older generation farmers or just guys even back in the war days and, and what, what we can mm. learn and listen and just hear what the experiences and mm. the things and how tough they did it. T- yep. You know, um, or and how, or how well they did it. So Absolutely. And without social media. Exactly. As well. mm. <laughs> how did they do it? Yep. So give that a go. Story Corps. Sounds good. good. Now, Ben, just on Twitter, mate, it's been pretty active, although I haven't been as active on that in the last uh, little while, but... We always give out our Twitter handle. Um, what's yours? Yep, my Twitter handle is at farmagro1, at farmagro1, and yours is? Uh, at photo by CW, at photo by CW. So you can get in touch with Ben and I at Twitter uh, or agronomyfromthecab at gmail.com. And we look forward to uh, hearing from you anytime. Don't forget, uh, we've said it a few times, I've got some of those Velocity Weed Squares, still got a few of them. If you want one of those, then get in touch. That's that square to help you count weeds or pasture plants or anything you, you, you like. So get in touch and we can send one of those out. But thanks again, Ben, for taking the time to catch up with me today. No, thank and, you. And uh, there's a lot on and it's been a great conversation. Yes, absolutely. No, and uh, we wish uh, clients all the best for the next few weeks. And, uh, yeah, we wish them all the best um, with the uh, frost assessments and just uh, to try and remain positive where you can and um, just to encourage others around us. We're all in it together. Absolutely. And Ben, finally, mate, what demands an answer but never ask you a question? Yeah, we, we get lots of questions, right? We do. And we'd encourage more, but uh, there's something out there that, aren't, that uh, demands an answer but never asks you a question is a telephone. <laughs> Love it. Very all right. Good. See you later, everyone. Thank you.